Welcome in to a Thursday night edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition, previewing all the games for the upcoming weekend. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by the real underscore G Warner. That's where you can find him on X. Griffin Warner, how are you, my bud? Thank you for bringing me. Uh, thank you for the introduction, as always. Uh, you know, life is good. We've got real college basketball schedules. Uh, too many games to potentially watch in a week, but uh, who needs to sleep? I'll be catching up until these games start on Saturday, Friday, Sunday, whatever we're talking about today. Yeah, what, I mean, catch up. It's, you know, what do you, what do you, it's like your job now. It, uh, just, literally, like, I wish it wasn't, but it is. Just at this point. watch college basketball 24 uh, 7. There we go. All right. Another one in one week for us. Uh, I was the loser this time. Uh, Griffin got Ole Miss to the window. Uh, the Johnnies let me down late. Felt like they were in control of that entire game and then shit their pants in the last couple minutes and let Providence cover. Uh, so another one and one for the boys as we try and break out of that slump. I mean, we hit a two and oh, we followed it up immediately with an oh and two, and now we're back to the one and one grind. So, uh, it's, it's about standard for us, about 500 on the year, and hopefully we're going to catch fire at some point. I, I mean, we've all, it's coming. I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. We are, uh, we're, it's, it, I can taste it. We've been right. dinging and donging. I think that's a golf term, you know, when you make, <laughs> when you make a par, I make a triple and vice versa. So, yeah. uh, eventually we're going to go down in the fairway both times and then, uh, we'll get one eventually. All right, let's start in the SEC on Saturday. And in the SEC, it just means more. And the now Nick Sabanless Alabama Crimson Tide go to Mississippi State uh, in Stark Vegas there. We're going to project Alabama as a two-point road favorite. And I'll be honest, we, we talked about it a lot with the Big Ten but the SEC is starting to look like it's pretty home court dependent too this season, at least so far this season it has been that. Um, and like Mississippi State getting an outright win in Tennessee over Tennessee and Starkville is a that's a really nice win for them. And Alabama's played two road games all season. One was an outright loss at Creighton. No, no harm in that. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The other was a three point win over Vanderbilt in a game where they were up by 20 in like the first eight minutes and got outplayed for the rest of the game. That's a little concerning to me. Um, Mississippi State does a great job taking away the three-point line, and we know Alabama relies heavily on it for offense. This is a really a strength-on-strength game, the, the tied offense against the Bulldog defense and the weak Mississippi State offense against the very beatable tied defense – I think I'm going to lean with Chris Jan's team here and the home court. I, I think they're improved despite the metrics not really backing that up. I, I think watching that Tennessee game, I was I was really impressed. And I think if they get that same kind of home court environment, uh, I, I think this Alabama team could be in for for another rough road trip. What do you what do you see in this game? So one of the big interesting things for me was I had Tolu Smith off the list because he hadn't been playing at all this season. He's now played three games, uh, so he's back and is probably their best player. Uh, I don't think that's very well reflected in the metrics, analytics, or anything like that this season. Uh, there are some of those type of scenarios, either debuts or players that have missed for a while, that if they are 
potentially the most important player on the team that could skew some things or potentially leave out some details within our analytics community, which is pretty much betting lines, setting lines, everything at this point. Um, so I'm very curious to see what that does and how he performs. I mean, we've seen Alabama basically just use their three big men for five fouls each and just keep rotating them in and out. Um, and that unfortunately impacts their defense because they're not as they're not able to be as aggressive with ball pressure because if they uh, hand check someone, then eventually they're going to start shooting free throws the other way. Um, I think that does impact them even more on the road because uh, Alabama's proclivity or just really love for shooting three point shots. Uh, I don't know why you just call it Alabama a, a basketball school, but I think from <laughs> from this perspective, I, I mean, I, I have not had a really great time betting against Alabama this year. I think they won by 50 uh, when I took Liberty against them in a neutral site in uh, somewhere in Alabama that wasn't Tuscaloosa. Um, and I was Honestly, I've been very impressed when I've watched Alabama. They haven't really come out on the right side of the games I've watched, but I thought they were very competitive with Arizona and then kind of got ugly late. Same with with Creighton as well. Uh, and I feel like Mississippi State having two big home games in the same week is a big challenge. Now, can they respond and, and can they put two wins back to back? I, I mean, in previous program uh, history, I would say no, but uh, maybe this is different. Chris Jans was so good at New Mexico State, finally got a shot at a, a big type of conference. Um, I, I think that's the only side I would look at, especially considering Alabama shoots threes at such a high clip and, and can have some uh, really, really poor shooting performances. And unfortunately, it's really, really bad when you're taking 34 threes or 30 threes or 38 threes or 40 or 46. So they take a ton from outside, and that is a huge amount of variance for going on the road. So it's Mississippi State or nothing for me. Yeah, and it's funny you said, and maybe the, the teams that are going to beat Alabama are the teams that can keep up with them on the offensive end, and we, that's what happened with Arizona. That's what happened with Creighton, uh, two offensive focused teams. And Alabama's defense is just so poor that if they get into a shootout, they're probably going to lose as good as their offense can be. I, I don't think this is that kind of a game, though. And uh, this is uh, like, obviously, we're we're looking at a, a situation where we're we're catching points here so they, it's uh it's a little bit different i don't think mississippi state's going to run away with this thing when the line's two i assume they can win the game but i do think it's going to be a, a grimy game uh which makes me uh makes me like the road to, or excuse me the home dog here Definitely. uh speaking of home dogs uh let's go to new mexico to the pit where san diego state we're going to project them as a one point favorite and i think i like the lobos here at home mostly because i always like the Lobos at home and San Diego state's been kind of a weird team on the road. Like they barely beat UC San Diego at the beginning of the season, which in hindsight, isn't the worst thing. Like that's a pretty solid little program. They barely beat San Jose state over the weekend, lost to grand Canyon and BYU on the road, but then they got a 10 point win at the kennel against Gonzaga, which nobody goes there and wins. The Lobos have lost two out of three, but I think what's happening with New Mexico, and you know, we talked about kind of the the injury change uh, in the last game. This is the first stretch all season that the Lobos are, are getting healthy as a team. So this is the first time where they've really had everybody that they were supposed to have: Mashburn House, Nelly Joseph Jr., all these guys at once. Maybe it's going to take a little while for them to adapt. I, I, I don't think it's uh, by coincidence that the two games they lost were on the road. Colorado State and UNLV, um, but I, I think that this team is going to get better as the year goes on. 
These teams split their home and home last year. Uh, and I think this is a better New Mexico team than it was a year ago. And I think this is a weaker San Diego State team than it was a, a year ago. So I, I'm looking to back the uh, the the home team here, uh, even if it, I mean, even it's a, a, a pick them or, or minus one the other way. Uh, I think I like the Lobos. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like this is a, a big test for San Diego State. Um, they went to the championship last year, got blown out by UConn, but no one seems to care about that because they made it there and that was cool and big for the program. And then they lost a lot of players. Then all of a sudden, Jaden Ledee is the, like, honestly could be a, a Naismith Player of the Year candidate. It's like the focal point of their team when he was a, a role player on the bench last year. Yeah, and and I'd forgotten. Then he started Ohio State, transferred to TCU, finally got into San Diego State, really didn't do much, and then now is literally taking the ball up the floor, shooting threes, doing everything. The the growth, usually it's freshman to sophomore year that I feel like that happens, but it's pretty incredible that this happened here. Um, but from, I, I guess, a I, I, I'm interested in San Diego state going down the line. Uh, and I've had a, not much success. I got to say going against them as road short underdogs or short road favorites in the past, they just are a great program. They seem to win a ton of games on the road with that said, I don't think I could even touch them at all in this game. I, I think New Mexico is playing a little bit under expectations and, uh, maybe that's because they play a maniacal form where Rick, Richard Patino just literally rolls the ball out there and says, go do your thing, be athletic. Uh, I think that's a problem against the San Diego State team that is really strategic with their, I think, pushing the ball. They want to play a slow game. They want to use their size, length, defense, and rebounding. But I think New Mexico is going to do a little bit different of a thing because they're not going to try to execute in the half court, I don't mm. think. They're going to try their best to play up and down and use their pace as much as they can. Um, I don't... Like I, I don't like New Mexico as a team and their strategy, style, all that sort of stuff. But this seems like a really dangerous spot for San Diego State to go in, especially New Mexico not having the great start to the season they were hoping for, at least in Mountain West play. Uh, and San Diego State kind of being the marked team as well. I feel like the pit always delivers, even when New Mexico is really bad. And uh, I think there's a very good chance that there's going to be a huge, huge crowd impact in this one. Uh, so it's New Mexico or nothing for me. It, it might be nothing, but I also have been absolutely loving and leaning so hard towards home courts this year that maybe even I do fade San Diego State and try to eventually get them right. All right. Uh, let's go now to the new Big 12. And I've got a theory here. We're going to look at Houston minus seven at TCU. I believe what we're seeing so far with these teams that are moving up into the Big 12 is the road environments are a little tougher than what they were used to in the American or the WCC. <laughs> like, And Houston got a firsthand taste of it. They got the, the Hilton Magic taste over the weekend. We talked about that game, and it went kind of the way we thought it would go. And now they go straight into Fort Worth, where TCU just knocked off the number nine team in the country uh, in Oklahoma. And TCU is just one and one in conference play, but that Oklahoma win combined with a two-point loss at Kansas – kind of makes me feel like the frogs are a, a bit of a sleeper in the big 12. Uh, if you look at the, the Houston loss, they shot just 26% from three uh, at Ames, which you, you say, okay, maybe that's excusable. Iowa state only shot 20%. So it's hard to give Houston much of a pass here. The real discrepancy in that game came at the free throw line. And we know that TCU is probably going to catch another friendly whistle uh, at home here. I think TCU outside of two possessions, I'm very interested in as Houston kind of gets used to this 
the grind of the Big 12 season where, you, you know, you go from one tough road game to another one. And I, I think like just watching the start of that Houston Iowa State game, Iowa State was up eight nothing. I mean, in seconds, and then fourteen, and it, I think, before yeah, Houston ended up scoring. It, it was it was just chase, chase, chase for Houston, and it, it like it, it did like they looked discombobulated. I think we could see a similar thing here. I I don't know if TCU is good enough to get an outright uh, like Iowa State did, but you give me two possessions, and and it, this even gives me some wiggle room for free throw shooting at the end. If if it is seven, uh, I I'm very interested in the frogs. I completely agree. Uh, TCU, 29.2% from three this year. Or excuse me, that's how often they shoot it. Uh, one of the lowest rates in the country. Uh, they shoot it just under 33% clip. Uh, Iowa State didn't seem to need to shoot that well to win. And uh, I imagine that Houston will have a much better start uh, than they did. And I was kind of amazed that Kelvin Sampson waited till it was a 14-0, two-touchdown game to call a timeout. But uh, TCU, the, the difference to me between Iowa State and TCU is uh, I think Iowa State just is going to foul you every time down the court and say, good luck calling it. And I think that really worked well at Hilton Magic. I don't know that TCU is that physical, but I think TCU is going to try to crash the glass just the same way that Houston does. And so it's almost mirror images, but then one's on a home court and you, you projected getting seven. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, gigantic price, especially as we saw. Houston, a four-point favorite, I think, at the Open against Iowa State, get pushed all the way down to two and a half um, in like a steady stream. Like it didn't seem like there were any flares back up where any money was coming in on Houston. Um, I I think it's probably very rare to have a ton of stats on Houston after losses, and they're usually probably to Memphis or something like that in the American because they haven't lost much in the past few years, and then they probably played uh, a team like Tulane or something like that afterwards. So. Uh, not a lot of probably good data to say what happens when they go. And, and back-to-back road games is also really not a very nice gift for a newcomer to the Big 12. So I'm really interested in TCU. I, I think that's the side I want here. Uh, and your seven is much bigger than I think the three I was expecting. So anything as an underdog side of that coin, I'm interested in the Frogs. All right, let's go to the Big East for our last one. I talked about St. John's kind of uh... – blowing things at the end against Providence. They hold on for a two-point win in a game that they had a like a 15-point lead in at one point. Uh, another team that got off to a really hot start. Providence just was was a little overwhelmed early in that game. Um, Prov- or excuse me, St. John's going to go to Creighton now. We're going to project this one at around six. This is tough. Uh, Ken Palm says eight. Uh, there's, there's zero chance that St. John's will catch eight at Creighton. Um, but we'll, we'll say six to, to kind of split the difference here. Uh, I have been frustrated by this Creighton team and I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're just not as good as I thought they were. Uh, I I think that the, the loss at Marquette certainly excusable. I hated that they lost at home to Villanova because I don't think very much of Villanova at all. Uh, but then I thought, well, they they just played Alabama at home. Maybe like having those back to back kind of marquee home games was was a little much for them. I, I don't know, but they've they've certainly been frustrating for me. Um, it, it, the Johnnies are good, man. They're better than I thought they were going to be. But I still contend that this is one of, if not the toughest, Big East road trip. Because it's just, I mean, just geographically for starters, it's way out of the way of, of everything else in the conference. It's a, it's a long haul for these teams. 
Um, and it, it's always a good, raucous environment. Uh, we have seen Creighton now. They've won three straight. Of course, two of them came against the the dregs of the Big East, but both on the road. And I, I've said this before, any road win in the Big East is a good win. And that includes at Georgetown or at DePaul, especially when you when you do it in blowout fashion. Uh, I, I think I'm leaning to Creighton here. I, I'm not fully willing to to jump back in that pool, but I, I think most of why I like them is because I liked them so much coming into the season. I felt like they were so versatile. Um, they have it, almost everybody on the on the floor can handle the ball, and then they've got just kind of a game changer in Ryan Kalkbrenner uh, that is is really hard for anybody to match up uh, against, and uh, on both ends. And it it feels like you know St. John's is a, a you know a pretty big team. Creighton's bigger. It takes that that away from them. St. John's is a really experienced team. So is Creighton. It feels like every advantage that St. John's has over most teams, they don't have here. And I, I do think that that Soriano has some troubles uh, really on both ends with Ryan Cockbrenner. What do you, what do you see? Yeah, looking in the, the unfortunately the recap, seeing St. John's up by thirteen on Providence uh, late in with eight fifteen to go, pretty brutal. They didn't cover the spread for our two and zero that we. I think I think we really deserved on our last podcast. But here we go. We'll, we'll get it this time. Um, I, I think one of my big questions is about St. John's. I, they got Chris Ledlam back, who wasn't great uh, in that Providence game, but I think it's an important bigger body, I guess. But it's still pretty undersized. Uh, and I don't know how well that's going to work out against the Creighton front line that you mentioned. Kalkbrenner is is going to be a, a big, big problem, I think, for Soriano, who's, I think, more about bulk than he is about length or height. So, um, and that usually is the way, I, I guess, burly fellas can sometimes uh, do a bit better job than you'd expect against people taller than them, but not really against seven footers. And I think what's going to happen there is Soriano's going to spend a lot more time on the perimeter, which then I think opens up the lane potentially for St. John's to go to the rim, but I just, I, I don't really see it. And uh, frankly, I'm still scared enough of Creighton at home that I'm really looking to back them or uh, skip the game at this point. Uh, we saw last year where usually it was about Kalkbrenner missing six games with mono, the kissing disease where um, they had lost five or six in a row, I think middle of last year, and then kind of turned it on. I'm wondering if this year it's a little bit different because you can't blame it on that injury or sickness, but it seems like they've lost to Colorado state. Who's really good and has a, definite plan what they're doing UNLV maybe just had a career night but that was on the road and then a home loss of Villanova is not great but somewhat understandable because they shot so poorly from three like about 21 percent so um, I'm not as maybe as, as down on Creighton at this point they certainly haven't delivered I think to expectations yet but you know three straight Big East wins if they're starting out 0-2 I think they're trending in the right direction and this feels like one of those games where you always believe in a Rick Pitino team to, to really keep games close because you know he's going to get effort and you know he's going to have some sort of scheme advantage because he's just done this for so long. Um, but I think this is going to really be a really tough time for them taking that long flight to the big central conference or whatever the heck they're doing because I'm not sure you can get much further west in the Big East than uh, Omaha, Nebraska. But to me, it's it's a Creighton lean at best for me. Uh, I don't really know what number I'd want to see to take St. John's. It'd probably be farther outside than what even Ken Palm had it. I'd, I'd want to cover fouling because I feel like this could get ugly. All right. So it sounds like we're in a lot of agreement this week, which is, uh, yeah, like maybe, maybe that's uh, something that'll help us get there. All right. Let's get into best bets. Before we do, Griffin, tell the people how you can save some money at pregame. 
Yeah, use the promo code NET15, N-E-T-1-5, good for $15 off all listeners to college basketball podcasts. We get a little bit of credit for you using it, so make sure you go ahead and throw that in there when you're buying, I don't know, season-long packages, year-long stuff for all of 2024. Of course, you can get our college basketball rest of seasons, plus whatever the heck is out there. We got NFL playoffs starting this weekend as well, so plenty of stuff all over the Pre-Game Pros website. Just jump on there, use the promo code NET15 at checkout. And uh, we'll get a little bit of credit for you guys using it. So make sure you pop that in there and save yourself 15 bucks. All right, let's get into the best bets. I'll uh, I'll take the lead here and I'm going to go with sort of we talked about this with the Houston TCU game. And I'm going to I'm going to fade another new Big 12 team on the road. And I'm going to go with Baylor minus eight hosting Cincinnati. And I think that this is just kind of kind of what I talked about. Like now Cincinnati has won a road game this year. It was at BYU another new team, so not quite the same level. And BYU is a finesse team. This Baylor team, despite being, you know, arguably, I mean, percentage-wise they are, but one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, they're a much more physical team than BYU. And I think they're going to be able to bully Cincinnati in a way that they're not used to being bullied. This is a really good rebounding team in Cincinnati, but I think the physicality of Baylor is going gonna, is gonna to overwhelm them a little bit. And I still don't, I mean, we've talked about Cincinnati last week, I believe, like how, how much faith do we really have in this team? I don't have a whole lot. And with CJ Frederick out, it feels like he's kind of their, their creator. And he's also the kind of guy who, you know, they're probably not used, used to having uh, at this kind of school, but he's a Cincinnati kid, but him being out, I, I've noticed the offense ticking down. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure what his availability is for this game, but he's had a hamstring now for a couple games. So if he comes back, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be on on a minutes restriction. So this kind of boils down to just trusting that Baylor's a, a, an environment that this Cincinnati team is is kind of not used to going into. And you know, earlier in this season, they they lost to Xavier on the road. Uh, I mentioned that BYU win, but this is just their third road game of the season. And I think that this is just going to be too much of an environment for them. I, I think Baylor is feeling it coming off that BYU win, uh, kind of escaping after escaping Oklahoma State with an overtime win that I don't think they were really happy about. It felt like they looked a lot different against that BYU team. I, I think they keep that momentum rolling. So uh, I like Baylor here. We're going to project eight points at home against Cincinnati. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I'm kind of looking to try to be against Cincinnati as much as possible. Without Frederick, I don't know who shoots threes for them. And one little weird thing that Cincinnati loves to do is run a lob play to Bandogo. And uh, I think Yves Misi is like the perfect type of defender for that. It's hard to defend, but Baylor runs their own action doing the same sort of thing. So I think that's going to be a big problem for Cincinnati to score. Uh, big big spread delay, but I think for good reason. And uh, I'm really hoping Cincinnati, not not this game because you're on it, but I'm hoping they steal some wins that we're kind of not expecting as a big underdog because I'm looking to be against them as much as possible in the Big 12 this year. Uh, I'm going to go with my best bet back to one of the games we talked about. Sorry if you're going to say something right there. Uh, you want to go ahead? No, you're good. All right, I'm going back to TCU. Uh, we talked too much about it, too much agreement. Uh, it's weird for me to get be against Houston twice in a week because I, I did have the clones on, on Tuesday. But I, I can't get over uh, that type of price that you're expecting, a seven-point underdog. I'm just looking for TCU to be underdogs. Like Three points would be enough for me. Really, I'm just looking for them to be an underdog in general. I think Houston, they, they don't have a ton of problems. They're still a really good team. But they're, I think, going to struggle on the road this season, getting off to a, a zero to fourteen type of deficit. 
uh, just doesn't really bode well, I think, for a second straight road game in the Big 12. I think they need to prove that they can do something on the road. They've had a really weak schedule out of conference this year as well. And I just don't really think that playing a bunch of cream puffs and then going into the Big 12 and hitting the road for two of your first three games is going to work out very well, uh, especially as a road favorite. I think number two still will uh, look like a really pretty price to a lot of betters out there, but uh, I'd caution you big time. If you want to play Houston and wait for them to be in a home game, we'll probably smack somebody around, but take TCU. I'll, I'll, I'll take that plus seven right now that you're suggesting, but I'll, I'll take them as an underdog as, as low, really all the way down to, to minus one. I think I'd take TCU. I like it that much. Yeah. I, so I, I Ken Palm projects at six. Uh, my, my best, my guess is you're, you're going to get, something outside of three so like i think three and a half is probably the worst you can possibly expect so i at least at least at an open again once these things open i mean good luck we've seen how fast these lines move uh you and i text almost every day our cards and i I play a lot i i work (laughs) you know in the middle of the night so at least i'm on the on the west coast so uh, I'm playing games early and then sometimes there's just wild line movements between, you know, wh- what time, you know, the, the lines open and, and by the time you wake up and see them. So they do move quickly, but I, I, I can't imagine that there's just going to be massive amounts of TCU money coming in against the number one team in the country who just lost their first game of the season. So I, I think you're going to be OK getting at least uh, more than a possession. All right. That is going to do it, friends. That is going to do it for another episode. Uh, hopefully, come back on Sunday night with a 2-0 and in our pocket. That's the big game plan here. Almost everything's on Saturday. There's not a lot of great games on Friday, not a lot on Sunday. Uh, it, and it's NFL weekend, so I mean, most people are going to be stuck to those anyway. And that actually may help you when you talk about line moves. There's a lot of people, a lot of bookmakers worried about a lot of other things, a, a lot bigger prop market than they're used to having, and maybe the, the, the lines don't move as quickly on these college basketball games, particularly if you're into betting these smaller conferences, you're probably going to find some value out there this weekend. So keep that in mind when you are making your wagers. Griffin, appreciate it as always. Thanks to you guys for listening, and we will talk to you on Sunday.